Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, 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 and welcome into another episode of Believe in the ATP Tour. I'm your host, Jacob Sersosimo, and today you are listening on the Believe Podcast Network, the best podcast network, but also the best podcast network for professionals. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening to this, chances are you probably just saw the other podcast I just dropped, which was pretty much a recap of everything that's happened since I took a break. And I want to jump right back on the podcast right before the French Open, which is what I'm doing right now. Now, this is all. This podcast is going to be all about the French Open and what you need to know about the French Open. And we're going to break it down to you right here, right now. Now, first off, let's look at the seeds. Let's look at, on the men's side, what are some things to really keep an eye on? Now, number one seed, Novak Djokovic. Number two seed, Daniil Medvedev. Number three seed, Rafael Nadal. Number four seed is Dominic Team. Five is Tsitsipas. Six is Zverev. Seven is Rublev. Eight is Roger Federer. Nine is Matteo Berrettini. And ten is Diego Schwartzman. Now, 11 is Batista Gunt, but usually I mentioned that because he is playing well right now. But 10 is Schwartzman, and we'll stop right there. Now, these, these seedings are causing quite the ruckus around the not only the Twitter world and everything and the journalism world and the media world and the fan world, but probably amongst the players as well. This is what people are confused by. Now, because of the way it's seeded, right, and because Rafael Nadal is the three seed and he's not the two seed as a lot of people think he probably should be him Djokovic and Roger Federer are all in the same side of the bracket yes you heard that they are all in the same side of the bracket Rafael Nadal Roger Federer who's the eight seed and Novak Djokovic, the big three, are all in the same side of the bracket. Now, a lot of people are not happy about this um, just because they're like, why are these players in the same side of the bracket? Now, this might be the toughest bracket that Rafael Nadal is ever going to need to have at the French Open. Which, But this bracket also leaves the door wide open for someone like Schwartzman in the bottom side or Karatsev, who's a 24 seed on the bottom side. Or it brings, you know, Sferov, who's a 6 seed, Opens the door for him, as well as you look at guys like Casper uh, Ruud's playing really well. It, it lets him get a little bit farther in it, but probably Medvedev, Team, Sitsipas, those guys. Um, wow, that's a tough draw. Sebastian Corda just won Parma, and he's playing really well leading into this uh, French Open. But if he wins his first round match, he plays right into Sitsipas which would play right into probably John Isner. Wow, that's tough. Sorry. I'm just, I, I'm looking at this right now, and that just caught my eye because Sebastian Corda is someone who I thought you know, would play really well in this tournament or could make a little bit of a run. But if he's got you know, Sitsipas second round, that is going to be tough for him. Casper uh, Ruud's also playing really well leading into this tournament, and I mentioned him. He's a 15 seed. He plays Bino Pierre. Off, off the bat, and then he could play into Hercotch, the 19 seed. So that could be something in the third round to keep an eye on. On the bottom side, this is all in the bottom side right here now. Um, Opelka's on the bottom, and then Daniil Medvedev's on the bottom, but Medvedev hates clay, so I would be shocked if he got past. Uh, well, he could get past Opelka there. 
who could he play up here? He could play Dimitrov uh, in the fourth round. Okay, that could be a losable match. He doesn't really play anybody until maybe the fifth round where he would end up playing the Sitsipas or he would end up playing, yeah, probably Sitsipas or John Isner or Milos Raonic, someone like that. Man, yeah, he could actually make a mini run. But I tell you what, this top of the bracket is quite a doozy with the big three all on the top side of the bracket. I think uh, Zverev could very well make it out of the bottom side. Um, so could team. So could, I mean, the bottom side's wide open. There's just a bunch of youngsters and all the youngsters that are pretty much in the top 10 are in the bottom and then the big three in the top. I mean, that there's no other way to put it. And it kind of brings up a challenge. Now, a lot of people have brought up the topic of weighted seeding, which would be like you seed per surface, right? And I don't know if that just means like, oh yeah, Nadal's the best in surface, so let's give him a one. But I think as you, every tournament usually has play-in tournaments or tournaments that, you know, a series that leads up to it. And I believe people are saying, why don't we just seed on how people play in those tournaments? Now, it would help a lot of people um, as far as playing really well in those tournaments. Tournaments, next thing you know, you'd be a 20 seed. Now you're a, you know, you're an eight or Rafael Nadal would not be the three seed at Roland Garros behind Daniil Medvedev. He would definitely be higher than that. But on the other hand, it probably not benefit a lot of people. You look at some guys that kind of sit out and just wait for this tournament, like Roger Federer, he would probably be like unseated in this tournament. Instead, he's the eight seed. You know, it just stuff like that. So, you know, someone would have to play Roger Federer first round. It'd be like, uh, you know, you could still have Nadal Federer first round if that were to happen. So who knows who's right? I don't know who's right. I don't know what they should do, but it does seem a little unfortunate that the big three are all on one side of the bracket. Now, guys leading into this tournament that are playing really well, Kasper Ruud, I mentioned earlier, Sitsipas, he's won a couple tournaments. I mentioned that earlier. Opelka made um, a semifinal in Rome, so he might be someone to watch. Uh, this new Sinego guy, the younger guy, he could be someone to keep an eye on in this tournament. But Nadal hasn't been playing Nadal-like um, that I think over the last you know month or so because he lost to, or he almost lost to Denis Shapovalov, and then he almost lost to Joker as well, Novak Djokovic, which isn't as surprising, but Shapo, really? Um, he lost to Sferov, he also lost to Rublev, and those were in Masters 1000s tournaments, so he hasn't been playing up to Nadal's standard. Now, when Nadal gets into Philippe Chatrier, he's obviously going to be different. When he's in Paris, he's obviously going to be different, and you can't really compare that to the prior tournaments, but... I am saying Nadal hasn't necessarily looked Nadal-like through some of those tournaments. He's struggled against people he shouldn't, like Shapo. He's lost to people that you know maybe he shouldn't lose to, which are Rublev and Sverev. Granted, they are top 10 players, but you are Rafael Nadal. So that's something to keep an eye on. Novak Djokovic is playing really well. He just won Belgrade. So he's someone to kind of keep an eye on moving into this tournament. Roger Federer just came back on Geneva. He lost in Geneva in first round or second round, but technically the first round because he got to buy the first round. Um, but he's returning to Paris. He's someone to keep an eye on. His bracket doesn't look, um, I don't want to say his bracket doesn't look too promising for him, but his bracket really doesn't look um, terrible, terribly promising for him. Uh, he plays Dennis Istomin off the bat, and then he could play into Chilich, and then he could play into probably Fritz. Um, but then he could probably play into either FAA or Feliciano Lopez or Mateo Berrettini, and that might be 
where the train stops in this tournament or not. You know, Roger Federer could play really, really well and actually make it to play Djokovic in the quarters. So that would be very, very interesting. Um, but the semifinals could be Djokovic and Nadal, or it could be Roger and Nadal. Could be one of those. And that should really be a finals match. Uh, it'd be really unfortunate. Uh, I, I don't want to say unfortunate, but unfortunate for those guys, if they, you know, grind it out, make it past that match, then they're so gassed for the final because they just played, you know, one of the best players in the world. So for Danil Medvedev to be the two seed in this tournament, it, to me is kind of a joke because he's very outspoken on how he hates clay. And so for him, I don't really think, you know, he has high expectations for this tournament, nor do I think he's going to do very well in this tournament just because he doesn't like clay like at all. So I can't really get past that fact, but it's hard to root for a guy in a tournament who absolutely hates the surface. So that's that. That's what it is. Uh, players not playing in this tournament. Stan Wawrinka is not playing in this tournament. Andy Murray is not playing in this tournament. And Denis Shapovalov is not playing in this tournament. Now, Shapovalov, I think as a lot of people call him, uh, he played really well in the tournaments leading up to this. So to see him post on Instagram that he wasn't playing in this tournament shocked me a little bit. And I really thought he would play in this tournament just because of the way he played leading up to it. But let's see what Shapo said as he's not playing in this tournament. He said, uh, I am saddened to share that after consulting with my medical team, I have made the difficult decision to withdraw from Roland Garros. Unfortunately, my shoulder has been bothering me over the last few weeks. And while all medical tests looks good, it is for the best to play it safe and rest. See you in 2022, Roland Garros. So he's not playing in this tournament. My guess is... Shapo probably knows his future isn't great on clay and he can, you know, make some money and make a really big push at Wimbledon, which is not long after Roland Garros, which I still don't understand why these tournaments are so close to each other. Um, it kind of shafts the clay court or the, not the clay court season, the uh, grass court season. But nevertheless, Shapo's not playing in this tournament, so Nadal doesn't have a whole lot to worry about with him. But Murray and Valvrinka, two other big names not playing in this tournament, that's a lot of people not playing in this tournament um a couple other things i want to talk about with roland Garros is gonna be who i think is gonna win this tournament now it's really hard to bet against nadal in this tournament it really is and but i don't like to pick the person who's supposed to pick or who i'm supposed to pick to win each tournament I, i've never been that guy if you've looked at who i've picked to win tournaments usually you know i'm not right a whole lot just because i never pick the favorite you know Australian Open, I didn't pick Joker. Um, you know, U.S. Open, I didn't pick Joker or Rafa, I don't think. Um, so I just don't like to pick the favorite in all these tournaments. But this year, it's kind of easy not to pick the favorite. It's kind of easy not to pick Rafael Nadal to win, you know, another Roland Garros just because he hasn't been playing to the level that um, it seems like he should be playing on clay. It seems like he's a little bit more fragile this year than he has in years past. And that's just my personal opinion. So, um, I'm going to go with Novak Djokovic. I think Novak Djokovic is really, really good. Um, he's playing really, really good on clay. He's the one seed, uh, and he could be playing, you know, Rafa in the semis. And I can't imagine Rafa's thrilled about having to play, you know, Joker in the semis, vice versa. I can't imagine Joker's thrilled about having to play him in the semis, but I think the road to the semis is going to be a bit easier for Djokovic. Um, he doesn't really have to play the type of talent that the three seed would have to play in this particular instance. So I'm going to go with Novak Djokovic to win this tournament. My dark horse to win this tournament, someone not necessarily in the big three, 
to win this tournament. I am going to pick um, Stefano Sitsipas as my kind of dark horse, which is not a terrible dark horse, but you know it's hard to bet against the big three. And someone to go far, I am going to pick Diego Schwartzman to go far in this tournament. You heard it here first. That's what my pick is going to be for Roland Garros, and that's about all I have to offer you for this podcast. I just want to give a little preview, a little update on Roland Garros. Another thing happening in the French Open is Naomi Osaka won't be talking to the media. Now, this is something I do want to address. Uh, Naomi Osaka came out with a giant statement, both on Instagram and Twitter, about how she's not talking to the media. Let me read it to you. It's kind of long, but I'm going to try to read it quick, okay? Hope you all are doing well. I'm writing this to say I'm not going to be doing any press during Roland Garros. I've often felt that people have no regard for athletes' mental health, and this rings very true whenever I see a press conference or partake in one. We're often sat there and asked questions that we've been asked multiple times before and asked questions that bring doubt into our minds, and I'm just not going to subject myself to people that doubt me. I've watched many clips of athletes breaking down after a loss in the press room, and I know you have as well. I believe the whole situation is kicking a person while they're down, and I don't understand the reasoning behind it. Me not doing press is nothing personal to the tournament, and a couple journalists have interviewed me since I was young, so I have a friendly relationship with most of them. However, if the organizations think that they can just keep saying, do press or you're going to be fined, and continue to ignore the mental health of the athletes that are doing the centerpiece of their corporation, then I just got to laugh. Anyways, I hope the, I hope what she said, I hope the considerable amount that I'm fined this will go towards mental health. Now, I understand where she's coming from, the mental health of athletes. And if that's the stance and that's the area she's coming from, I completely understand that. Um, but on the other hand, the world, the media, everybody, that's what athletes are. That's why there's press, because they want to know how athletes feel about a certain match. And that's just part of letting the fans into you, right? Like when Roger's playing a match, I have no idea what's going on in his head. Like I have no idea what is happening. And for him to you know, after the match, be like, yeah, I, w- I wish I would have done this at this point, or I was thinking this at this point. That not only helps young players, but helps the fans get more involved in the sport. It really does. But on the other hand, we are in a day and age where, you know, you don't really need press conferences to know what athletes are thinking. They have access to all these social media, and there's a lot of videos that come out. Um, but on the other hand, the press is an unbiased place for people to write about you. And I think that just comes with the territory. And on the other hand, um, when you're a top player, that kind of just comes with being a top player. Now, if she is having mental health issues with it and, you know, it is really battling or she is really battling something that we don't know of, by all means, I can see not doing press. I get that, right? That, that it, you have every excuse in the book under mental health, I believe, to not do press at certain points. But if you just beat someone 6-0, I'm not sure why you can't do 10 minutes of press. Everybody does it. As a matter of fact, everybody's always done it. So I, and some people have had a problem with it. Yes, I get it. Um, but for her to take this stance, very interesting from Naomi. Now, she's not the best public speaker. So I get, I also get that point. Um, but you can judge it yourself. Go on her social media platforms, see that um, post that she made that says that. 
and make your own judgment on it. I just want to tell you about it. Um, Naomi Osaka not doing press. It also came out she made $55 million-ish last year, over the last year from, you know, just made revenue. And $5 million of that was from tennis, and $50 million was from endorsement. So at this point, Naomi really doesn't need tennis, and it doesn't really matter what she's fined. But Naomi has been popular in the last couple years of bringing, you know, topics outside of sport into sport. And that topic topic would be the Black Lives Matter movement, which she wore masks with various names on them during the U.S. Open, and now she is doing this for mental health. And so um, the sport needs someone like Naomi. The sport needs something and someone to address these issues, and they can't just always be ignored by people in sport. And so for Naomi to really step up and normalize these things and bring them to the forefront of sport and as being one of the most powerful athletes in the world and one of the most powerful women in the world for her to do this, incredible, and I applaud her. Um, I don't always agree with her, um, some stances, but um, I agree with most of it, and I completely understand why she's doing it, and I think that that's the most important part. You can not agree with somebody, but um, it's very important to understand where they're coming from, and I understand where Naomi Osaka is coming from. Djokovic, my pick to win it. Watch the French Open. It's coming on here on May 30th. It is up soon. The big three in the same side of the bracket. Is it going to be a youngster? Is it going to be the big three? Who's going to play in the semis on the top half? Is it going to be Roger, Rafa, Joker, someone else? Who knows? A lot of tennis on the way. Reach out to me during the tournament at Jacob Sersosimo on Twitter and Instagram if you see something or if there's something that catches your eye. Have a lot of fun. The French Open around the corner. Roland Garros, Paris. Bright lights, big stars, and even better, tennis. The best tennis in the world about to happen. May 30th. Buckle in. Thanks for listening, and take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.